Elizabeth has championed so many amazing publications and awards in supply chain, from the ASCM Impact and Diversity Awards to working with Mr. Supply Chain on Supply Chain Management for Dummies. Elizabeth is a powerhouse helping to drive change in our industry. If you missed my conversation with Elizabeth last week in my Woman in Supply Chain series, make sure to go to letstalksupplychain.com forward slash episode 105 or episode 105 wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder of Border Buddy, has to say. More and more companies are looking to expand their reach into global markets, but most don't know where to start or don't have the time to figure it out. Border Buddy sees the struggle and has found a way for you to integrate customs into your e-commerce site, allowing you peace of mind when selling to customers in other countries. Your customers will know exactly how much the costs are to import their order from you to their door in real time. And just imagine what that will do for your business and your sales. Visit us and sign up for 10% off your first clearance at borderbuddy.com slash let's talk supply chain. Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Today I'm speaking with a company who has mastered the supply chain tech startup space and is helping companies globally to track and trace their shipments. Before I let you in on who that might be, okay. I'll give you a little bit of a hint. They have been featured in our ads recently. But first, let's get to a review plus the question of the week. So, Ari M. Howell over on Apple Podcasts says, great information, informative host. This podcast has helped me learn supply chain. Sarah asks guests great questions and always engages her audience. I love this podcast and listen every week. Keep them coming, Sarah. Thank you so much for you know bringing that review to light. I always love getting reviews on the show and I love sharing with them with you as well. So let's get to the question of the week. This one was a big one. I asked, what's your favorite thing to do in supply chain? It wasn't, you know, to ask what your favorite thing about supply chain was. It's actually, what do you enjoy doing in the industry? So is that sourcing, procurement, logistics, delivery, final mile, We had so many amazing answers between my personal post on LinkedIn, as well as the post on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page. I'm not going to be able to get to all of them today, but I will give you a few of the highlights. Derek Collins, he says, for me, my favorite thing to do in supply chain is operations. Naomi Garnis, that it touches every part of our lives in ways most people aren't aware of. Derek Mizzisack, I'm a fan of the order to delivery space when it's time to execute on all of the planning and preparation. 
Eric Valaket. For me, it has to be sales. I love that. Not everybody, you know, loves to do sales, but I love to hear that that is something that you like to do. Charles Walker, for me, it's being a part of the process that allows one to ensure that the customer gets exactly what they requested and paid for. Feliciano Francisco says inventory management and procurement. Larry Lung says my favorite thing about supply chain is the people. Following that, it's procurement. Sheik Tenvir says there are more than one thing which are my favorite in supply chain, but mostly I love to to design processes and plan operation strategy. Alviro Villan says, how relevant is the supply chain management targets alignment with the customer service targets? I love that because that inspires collaboration. Matt Burrows, I enjoy helping deliver measurable results as it relates to increased efficiency. Rondi Allen, I always think that supply chain is like the heart of the organization, like in the body. If it's not operating effectively, nothing else works. I love that. Aaron O'Leary, the amazing relationships you get to build with your customers, vendors, and partners. Well, thank you so much to everybody who weighed in. We're definitely going to have the link to all of that because again, I think in total we had over 200 comments and everybody sharing what they love about this industry. And I want to make sure that you have access to that. Thank you to everyone who weighed in. This question had some really great conversations. Um, so if you want to be part of it, make sure to check out our posts every single Wednesday morning on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Today, Akshay, CEO of Terminal 49, is here to talk about the visibility they are creating for shippers everywhere and what it was like to be a tech startup in supply chain. But before we get into their story, let's learn a little bit more about Akshay's journey. Akshay is the CEO and co-founder of Terminal 49, Inc. He works with importers and logistics professionals to help automate much of the manual work that goes into managing ocean trade. So welcome to the show, Akshay. Hi, Sarah. So good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. Sorry. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you here because you and I met at LogTech last <clears throat> September. And if anybody knows JOC and they know their events, LogTech is one of their, is actually their biggest logistics technology event. And I was really honored to moderate the panel with a few supply chain technology startups. And it was a really, really great conversation. But I thought that Terminal 49 really stood out because I felt like it was a, like your solution to some of the challenges that we have in supply chain is simple yet effective. And I'm really excited to share it with the listeners today. So without further ado, Akshay, why don't you tell us what is the story behind Terminal 49? I want to know why you picked Terminal 49 as the name and what problem did you did you see in supply chain that you wanted to set out to solve? Thank you for the kind words. Uh, believe it or not, JOC was my, uh, the LockTech conference was my first JOC conference, but it, it was just super nice to meet all the industry folks, tech people, um, and actually see, you know, putting a face to the name. Uh, yeah, it's a story about Terminal 49. So let me start by the Terminal 49. My co-founder, Philip Gutheim, uh, he came up with the name uh, when we started the company. And initially we were looking, he wanted Terminal 1, Terminal1.com. 
not surprisingly enough, it was really hard to get. So he picked Terminal 49. And the 49 part is the 1849 Gold Rush, California Gold Rush. So it's it's uh, it's like a play on play, yeah. you know, combining two ideas. But uh, yeah, that's that's how the name Terminal 49 was uh, conceived. Story behind. Very cool. So the story behind Terminal 49 uh, starts a little over four years ago, uh, where my co-founder and I, Philip, uh, really, it was his idea to get in the space. We had met previously at our when we were doing our last startups at Y Combinator, which is an incubator here in California. Um, and he was... He was bored at Google, the last job he was working at. So he went to his friend's trucking company and just started brokering loads. Uh, he wanted to just, you know, uh, get a feel for how, how that operation, how that world looks like. And he soon realized, uh, you know, looking at his current world, which is like a lot of automated tools and, and great technology, the, the world and the logistics specifically from a work broker is a lot of manual work, uh, is, so to speak, uh, things are being done in many ways the same and how they were being done 20 years ago um and then he wanted to he looked at the market for over-the-road trucking and how truckers uh work with uh shippers uh, a dispatcher and uh pitched me the idea of building a tool to make truckers life easier for them to work with trucking companies we started basically working kind of dating of sorts working on this project uh, to build a very simple tool, kind of like a Dropbox for truckers to put their documents and share it with their dispatcher and, and uh, uh, shipper. Um, and, you know, we didn't know many people in the trucking industry, let alone logistics industry. So we walked uh, out here in the Bay Area. We we walked into trucking companies' offices in Oakland and just started, you know, hey, if you have this idea, we have this app, Can you, do you want to check it out? And... In a few days, we had a, quite a few conversations, um, but they were all drage trucking companies. They were not over-the-road trucking companies where, where mm. our app was focused on. So we met this guy. His name is Bill, who's still a, one of our biggest partners. Um, and that first conversation turned into a four-hour conversation. Imagine being in a convertible classroom under the overpass, you know, very typical trucking company in, in Bay Area. And... You know, he had three people who were basically pushing paper, tracking containers, talking to truck drivers, talking to customers. And we got very fascinated with the container drayage space uh, in terms of the complexity of the problem, how the workflow looks right. internally at a trucking company, as well as for, for importers. Um, and he convinced us to stop what we were doing before with the over-the-road trucking and automate and improve his trucking company so we then next day started working out of his converted classroom and building software to to automate and improve uh, his trucking operations whether it's where's my containers what's happening with the containers at the terminal uh, how to work with drivers tracking moves basically kind of a tms for drayage um, and initially we were trying to sell drayage software uh, to trucking companies, but that turned out turned out not to be a very good business to sell software to trucking companies. Um, you know, because they're, it's a margin business; it's, it's a, they're cost sensitive, and many times they've never bought software, so they don't know how to how to price it. Um, and it, it is very right. complicated piece of software. It's not just inland move trucking. You know, they have sometimes over the road trucks. They have uh, short haul moves, so they want to do everything right. They don't want to just do one thing. Um, long story short, we 
we abandoned that business and took the core technology and made it available for free. We knew that tracking containers for different parties, whether it's a broker, shipper, truck driver, was still a core problem tracking on different sites, right? And so we made that free, kind of like a Google Mm -hmm. search, track and trace. You enter a container, multiple containers, and you get tracking from every terminal. And that blew up. We were tracking thousands of containers every day through our search. And we uh, we took down some of the terminal systems because we were hitting them so much. And that was not really a goal for us to you know, build a business around. It was for us to prove that we could build something and create value for, for, uh, for this ecosystem. It's like us kind of bunch of engineers from the tech industry. How can we learn from and, and build something valuable? What, what is that show? There's a show on Netflix. What is that called? Uh, um, where all of the engineers in the, in the tech space get together on a startup. Oh, are you talking about Silicon remember. Valley? Yes, Silicon uh, Valley. Yeah. So it was, yeah, was it kind HBO. of Silicon Valley-ish? <laughs> uh, not that crazy. It was, it, was, it, was, it was just like, hey, can we build, given that we are outsiders, we're not logistics experts, can we mm-hmm. build something that resonates with that community? Can we learn from, from them? Can we you know, have that feedback loop? And we got that. Um, Absolutely. It, 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 so you know, it's... it's- it's an yeah. amazing, you know, startup story, and I and I'm sorry to to interrupt you, but that is really the true essence of a startup. Whether you're in our industry, whether you're in other industries, and it also speaks to because there's a lot of discussions happening in this industry as to you know how important the industry knowledge is to a founding team on a startup. And I think it comes down to the leadership and I think it comes down to the people that are behind the startup as to whether it does or not. And clearly you guys have been able to take, solve that problem. Um, as you know, two people that didn't grow up in the supply chain industry. Um, and really solve that problem to the effect and provide the value that you're talking about. Yeah, it was kind of like, you know, doing a PhD in in logistics and supply chain <laughs> just by oh, doing it. Um, and so there's been a lot of challenges, but the, 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 I do it because of the logistics part and the the main, you know, the, the business at hand rather than just the technology part. I think technology is a means to an end. Um, and just to finish the story off, so we then set out that for us to really deliver value, we decided to build our own trucking service. Uh, and so technically it was a brokerage service, but we took that core technology and built a whole tooling, uh, kind of a visibility platform for our internal operations teams. The trucking companies we were selling to, we made them partners and the pitch was very simple. Hey, we'll give you the software for free. Mm-hmm. And you service our customers and we'll acquire customers and then they get the visibility. So it's a collaborative platform. And, you know, we went from zero to 100 containers in three months of so the, the first three months of doing it, uh, really started uh, creating value and a viable business model, which is very similar to a brokerage business model. Um, but the, the, the problem we ran into over time was, it's still a commodity play, right? We are selling mm-hmm. a, a, for high volume importers. They care about price. And as a broker, uh, you get squeezed. Uh, 
But what we learned is a lot of our customers, they really liked the visibility. Uh, some of our customers, they wanted, hey, can you give us visibility in the other ports that you're not moving containers for? And so we started piloting that. We opened visibility in the port of Norfolk in Virginia and started providing some of our customers uh, uh, the same type of visibility around their containers in the other ports. And about a year and a half ago, we decided to double down on the visibility platform, which is where we are today. Um, so now we have integrated into all the terminals and uh, we are providing visibility to uh, importers and logistics providers, service providers uh, on our platform uh, for their containers end to end. Awesome. That's amazing. And, you know, I want to talk about that visibility because, you know, it seems to be a hot topic. I believe that it's been a hot topic for, I don't know, I would say years. And we really haven't fundamentally been able to solve that challenge. So why do you think that visibility is such a challenge in supply chain? And how are you guys fixing that? Yeah, I mean, I think just just talking about visibility as a challenge is, is a whole couple hour long podcast. But I think... Um, in terms of challenge, I think there's many different things to look at. If you look at what are the goals of visibility, right? It's to it's to reduce business and supply chain risk. You want to you want to improve the efficiency of your supply chain, and you know specifically maybe improve lead times um, and and you know turnaround times for your containers. Um, and at the end of the day, you want to, you know, it's a supply and demand issue. So you want to identify where your shortage are uh, and and uh, maybe order more products, basically react to your supply chain in, in a swift way. Um, and the problems are, in, in many ways, it's an information problem, right? Different people within the company need different information, potentially in different ways. Um, there's no, uh, there are no SLAs between how the data should be. Uh, uh, in what format the data should be. Collaboration is sometimes non-existent. It's in email or phone calls. Um, and so not everybody has the same access to the data to make decisions. And 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 I think uh, those two problems are, are exasperated because there's a technology adoption problem. Best way to share information and get mm -hmm. the information to the different parties is, is to use technology. Um, which you know improves processes, um, gets your technology in one way and pulls it out of silos. So I think that's kind of the main problem is like information is in different silos, and in many service providers today are trying to attack it from like a one one stop shop you know end to end supply chain. And and what ends up happening is it does a lot of things and not really anything really really well and requires a lot of costs. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think. There's many different problems. There's no really one, you know, why visibility is hard. I think, um, it, it, you know, information is in different silos. Collaboration is sometimes non-existent. And uh, it, lets, it leads to people doing what they've been doing already, uh, which is a lot of manual work because it works for them. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it, it is a continued challenge, but I, I feel like where it's improving is there are very specialized solutions um, for, you know, specific problem spaces. So instead of trying to solve everything at once uh, for everybody, 
you know, identify very specific workflows uh, or sections of your supply chain and solve them independently. And I do feel like solutions are starting to come up, like Terminal 49 focused just on o- ocean trade, um, you know, some, some focused on air trade. You've seen a lot of last mile solutions and internal trucking solutions like four kites. So um, I, I think we are just at the early stages of what's possible in solving this complex problem. I totally agree with you. And I think that we need to get through that to then get to the collaboration point. Because I think there's a lot of people solving different issues within the supply chain. And at some point, everybody's going to have to come together because shippers aren't going to be able to deal with 70 different username and passwords. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, but what you said was, and, and I go back to an example. So I remember sitting in operations. I mean, this must have been... Oh, I don't know. Over 12 years ago. And I had one of my customers say to me, well, why can't I see my goods in the container on the water where exactly it is? And, you know, when I when she asked me that, you know, I thought what that would be such a great thing. But at the time, I was like, is that ever going to be possible? And now, you know, I guess only 12 years later, we're coming to the point where that is completely possible. And, you know, you talk about the industry being in silos, and I talk about this all the time. You're talking about it from, you know, an information standpoint, and I talk about it from a people department. Mm -hmm. You know, everything's kind of siloed, but we need to all come together in a collaborative environment. So, What do you think needs to change for us to have that full visibility? You talk about the information exchange, but is there anything else that needs to change within this industry to do that? Yeah, I think think there's an education problem as well. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a disconnect between... um, and, you know, frankly, like logistics professionals don't have a lot of time, right? Like they're busy trying yeah. to focus on their supply chain, let alone evaluate a different pieces of software and attend webinars and what, what have you. Um, and so I don't I don't particularly fault anybody over here. And like, you know, it, it's a hard problem. Like the mark logistics professionals need to get educated around what is out there and what's possible uh, and how they can get business value. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's it's startups and, and larger organizations' responsibility to get them educated, whether it's through uh, and, and through different different mechanisms. Go to your customers and where they where they would consume information. Sometimes it's in person, sometimes it's over email, you know, or or these types of podcasts. Uh, and so I, I fundamentally believe I think. You know, we've seen this happen in other industries, medical industries, uh, even within tech industries of adopting, for example, sales tools. Um, and so I, I think that's that's the that that will get us closer to exploring what's out there in the ecosystem. And I think uh, there has to be a mindset for in the logistics professionals to to be able to try things uh, before really investing in it. And I think startups and, and tech companies need to meet uh, a logistics company, uh, logistics professionals uh, over there instead of trying to force large contracts and kind of go all into one thing, uh, give them a way to try something, uh, make the remove the barriers to entry to, uh, to explore specific use cases. Um, and this is why in our case, we know we can help, a thousand container importer per month start tracking their containers within a day 
you know, no integrations required. Um, there's no long-term contracts. I mean, we do long contracts, but we don't force that on, on people. Um, and I think, you know, we are in a, in a space where people like to try apps. They, they like to try services mm-hmm. and they don't, they're not bound by it. You know, you ha- you're living in the Netflix generation. You can unsubscribe when you don't use it. Um, and so I feel like, you know, we, we, we need to educate them and meet, meet, uh, as, as, as technologists meet, uh, um, meet um, professionals where they where they need create a safe space for them to try things and educate them. So I, I think that will help us ha- bridge the gap and uh, and have better relationships with with each other as a technology company co- community and logistics logistics professionals. Um, and then work on getting to full visibility, whether it's through a single plat- platform uh, or two mu- multiple platforms working together. I absolutely agree with you. I mean, as a logistics professional, it must be so overwhelming. I mean, you know, from the content that comes at them to new technologies that's coming out from the pressure from above to know you know, who all these technology players are, how they can help in our supply chain, how they can help in the business. And so I think you're right. I mean, that is one of the reasons why I started this podcast and and put and built the podcast the way that I have, because I truly felt like there was not enough time in the day to source out find, have conversations and see what was out there as far as technology, because, you know, there are new ones and different ones coming out every single day, you know, and it is hard to keep up. It's hard to keep up for me as a media professional. Um, But I think that, you know, like you said, it's up to the brands to educate, to be visible, to be out there, to say, hey, you know, I know you're overwhelmed. You've got a lot coming at you. Um, this is the particular part of your supply chain that I can help with. And this is how, and this is what it means for you. Very simple, very easy, um, so that they can really, you know, see what difference it's going to make and why they would want to test it out. And so that brings me to my next question. I love this question because I love painting a picture for the listeners as to what benefit, what are the, what's the ROI? What's, you know, what does that look like as a terminal 40, 49 customer? What does it do for me? Like what, what is an example of how you've helped the customer paint me the picture of that? Sure, uh, absolutely. So let me let me give you two examples. One as a shipper, and then other as a maybe a customs broker. Um, so we we help and work with uh, both parties, uh, uh, medium to large companies, anyone who's importing fifty to five thousand containers a month um, on both sides. So we have a customer. Um, this is actually for. for earliest customers in the visibility uh, as well as the brokerage business, they were importing um, uh, treated wood from Chile. And so they have an operations in Chile into the port of Oakland and the port of Norfolk. And they have two factories and they make really high end window sightings. Uh, and they, you know, they sell into the white house, celebrity homes, really, really high end stuff, 30 year warranty. They really, are kind of on the cutting edge of beautiful window sightings that last a really long time. Um, and so they have a just-in-time manufacturing process, right? So they're selling product to large uh, suppliers, and they need specific 
SKUs at hand uh, to manufacture a certain product. And before using us, they, you know, they had a set of spreadsheets. They're updating ETAs for containers uh, when they're coming inland, multiple people in different ports. Uh, they work with multiple trucking companies in different ports and, are up and, and coordinating deliveries. Uh, and then they're generating, you know, forecasting reports on their, on their spreadsheet and then passing the spreadsheet around. Um, and so you can imagine when when you answer a question like what's happening with my cargo, it requires not only accurate data, uh, but you need to generate reports, which can take, and you have to depend on multiple people to do that uh, because not everybody knows how to operate that spreadsheet. So what we did for them is um, we provided them Terminal Forty Nine platform. They can track all their containers coming into the different ports. Port of Norfolk in Virginia, about 150 containers a month. Um, and so their inbound team, they knew exactly which containers were going to have issues, uh, potentially demerge or last free day issues, holds or fees, so they can quickly proactively resolve those issues. Um, and their, and their uh, internal purchasing and, um, uh, and their sales teams were able to easily figure out when which containers for a specific SKU were coming in and when. Uh, so they could just go on our platform, enter a SKU number, and we'll tell you like, hey, these are the five containers that are coming tomorrow, these three containers coming next week, and hey, by the way, these two containers are delayed, right? Um, and so now in terms of getting answers to them quickly, that's what we were able to do. But we did one more thing, which I think really uh, is kind of our core philosophy, which is, Terminal 49 is just one way to consume information. We don't want to, in the ideal way, disrupt your workflow um, and add on to your existing workflow, which could mean reduce, you know, removing a lot of manual tasks. So they had a spreadsheet. A lot of folks were using it. Um, and so we took our real-time ETA data and plugged it into their spreadsheet. And so now all of their forecasting within their spreadsheet was fully automated. Um, so the philosophy here is, and we talked about this at JOC, is we want to get the data where you need it, uh, whether it's in your customer support chat, whether you need it in your spreadsheets, your ERP system, or uh, Terminal 49 platform, which is going to be there 24-7. So that's uh, an example of a shipper that's gotten benefit uh, really all the way uh, for, for their inbound team, logistics teams, to their forecasting uh, and demand planning teams um, to really make decisions faster and remove a lot of manual uh, a lot of manual work that they, they were doing previous to using us. For a broker, a lot of similar things. We have a broker who's using... Um, uh, a, a customs broker who's importing, who's managing about 1,000 containers a month. Before us, believe it or not, they were printing every uh, bill of lading and uh, had a stack. There's about 10 people working in the company. They had different people have different stacks on their desks. And they're, you know, every day take, uh, tracking those containers and marking up the stacks and uh, prioritizing it based on that. Now, that works for them. It's been working for them really well. You know, they run a really efficient operations. Um, but all we did, did with them is, hey, what if you take some of your work, start tracking shipments on Terminal 49 and see if it improves your workflow? And believe it or not, uh, within six weeks, uh, most of their 
employees are on our platform. They just enter their bill of lading once. And really what they're able to do now is when the customer needs to know what's uh, what's happening with their container or they need to give them their customer heads up around something that's been delayed or a container has an issue, they can very quickly type in a partial container number or a bill of lading number and and get the uh, real-time status on our platform. And this is across, uh, you know, customs broker across over 20 different terminals in the U.S. For every carrier, um, which is over 20 carriers integrated into our platform, no more, no more, you know, managing a stack of paper on a daily basis and going to individual track and trace websites to get answered that they're looking for. So really, their customers are benefiting from them, which means a much healthier relationship between their and the, them and their customer. And at the end of the day, they're happier with their jobs, right? Like, this is why I do what I do is I do, I'm not close to the pain, Right. I don't have this pain point on a daily basis. And so for me, what's important is if I can give logistics professionals better tools uh, that make their job easier and more fulfilling, even the slight, slight bit, there can be a huge impact in the industry. And we've started to already do that. And you brought up so many things that I want to talk about just in those two examples. I mean, I can tell you that, you know, when I was in operations so long ago, you know, I was taking a file with a container number and I was entering in those container numbers. And I cannot believe to this day we're still doing it. I mean, we're talking over 10 years ago. Um, and it's amazing to me that it's taken this long, first of all, but I'm glad that there's a solution there that can help with that because I remember how monotonous that was and how tasking and, you know, how, I mean, how such a simple thing can take so very long. But what I also liked what you said as well is to meet them where they are. I think a lot of technology startups are trying to change things too much too fast. And I think that there are processes in place that, yes, sure, in time need to be like completely turned around. But I don't think a lot of them do. I think they just need to be automated. Um, and I just think that they need solutions like yours and, and um, you know, to be able to do that for them, and, but to meet them where they are so that it's not a huge learning curve and it's not overwhelming and the change doesn't come at them too, too quickly. So, you know, I really liked what you said there because there was, there was a couple really key, um, key things there that um, are really, you know, really showing how the technology side of the industry and the service provider and the shipper side of the industry can really come together to find those solutions to the small things that are happening that are just tasking and taking way too long. So I love that. I know that was a little long winded, but um, I really loved the examples that you gave and, and uh, how you're helping people. So I think that, you know, the next question I just want to ask you, you know, is this a competitive space and why or why not? Uh, so my initial reaction to that is the most of prospects we talk to, they're still on pen and uh, pen and paper spreadsheets, phone calls. So to us, yeah. I think, um, 
no, it's not. Uh, the opportunity is 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 ripe for uh, building great tools and getting that into their hands of the people. I think that's my main goal. It's like, cool, we can build all these great tools, but if people are not going to use it, yeah. then it's, it doesn't matter. Uh, that being mm-hmm. said, though, I think in many ways it can be overwhelming for for uh, shippers and brokers to evaluate different technology services. And, and, and so there are a lot of players who are doing approaching the market in different ways. There is countless TMS services, old and new. Um, there's more verticalized services like Terminal 49 um, and you know Ocean Insights. So I, I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of overlap between technology uh, uh, mm-hmm. businesses and the value they're providing. And so there is a lot of competition um, and we will see upstreaming of, you know, uh, a lot of TMS providers will become very, very good at doing many, multiple things. Um, and, you know, as, as, a, as a very focused business, Terminal 49 really focused on ocean freight uh, visibility, you know, we will run it. We are already running into uh, some competition with some of the larger TMS providers Um and 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 you know other players, but you know my my I will say though the the vastness of logistics you know it is the largest employed workforce from the, the support system and people directly working in it, um, and the wealth and in, in the range of problems and workflows that people have, um, there there's a lot of room to innovate and create value um, and, and specific value right, and I think like. Yeah. I see a trend of a lot of TMSs uh, trying to do everything, and I don't think that's the right. Uh, that's in pers- my personal opinion. I don't think that's the right direction um, by doing everything, um, being you know one stop shop, um, because it's really really hard to do um, and, and 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 integrate for for businesses. So, I guess short answer is it is competitive in some ways, but you know we're in the early days, so maybe not. Awesome. Well, before I ask you the question about the future, do you have any simple advice for um, people that want to get into supply chain tech and, and want to start a business in it? Yeah, I, I, I think uh, <clears throat> really focusing, and I've said this a couple of times, focusing on a, on a niche, very narrow scope of problem. There's uh, you know, we started off by like really focus building like a document exchange for truck uh, for truck drivers. And it might not be a big market, right? It might not be like multi million dollar, hundred million dollar company, but that gives you an entry point into doing something and solving, creating tremendous value for a small group of people. Uh, and I mm-hmm. do think you know it's easier to expand than try to do everything once and and try to get customers um so i think that would be yeah. my and, and I, I don't even think that's specific to logistics i think that's applicable universally as starting anything uh starting yeah. small and doing and g- growing your business really helps uh but ultimately i think if you're a technologist and are not from a technology uh, logistics background um and if you're a logistics professional not from a technology background trying to understand um each side is really important um and and and, you know understanding the business value for for uh, for technology technologist in you know creating business value not creating a product that's cool is really really important from the beginning and from from a logistics side you know i think 
even though you're creating business value, product is really, really important if you're trying to build a tech company, uh, product culture and engineering culture, because you're going to be hiring those folks and you want to get them excited about what you're doing from from the core technology side. So I, I think, uh, you know, making sure you don't, if you're a logistics person, you know, you don't take technology as kind of just a means to end, but really that's the core competency in your company. And if you are a technology, you know, you want to make sure you educate yourself and build relationships with logistics professionals out there. Yeah. And I think that you also need to be open to pivoting, right? And I think that's part of the story as well. So yeah. let's get to the future. What is next for Terminal 49? Tell me. Uh, so we are still a small company, uh, really focuses, is build, uh, is to be the best uh, at what we do today, right? Uh, in terms of ocean freight visibility, uh, do it really well, continue to uh, provide value to our existing customers and new customers. So um, from, from a business perspective, acquire more customers. From the future of the product, I see as... Um, Ocean freight, just to just to look at that in freight in general, is a loop of, you know, you have demand from you're selling a product and then you want to fulfill that demand by ordering product, getting, uh, you know, the logistics side of it and then delivering that product to your customer. And in, the, in there, there's two sides of it, actually moving the product and then moving information about the product. Um, and so right now we're doing even a subset of ocean freight and we want to help complete that entire loop and uh, uh, provide a lot of automation and reactivity. So, you know, we talked about the problem with the visibility is um, imagine a world where you have sales data coming in and the system recommends how many uh, bookings that you need to make and which containers need to get booked based on like the market environment. So you can imagine maybe you'd be able to do just booking through our software, uh, but you know, you might have your old booking agent, your customs broker agents. Maybe you don't want to do that. So, our project, a product, will be versatile to your needs. And if you want to use everything or a little bit, but really, it's to it's to connect um, the information of sales through all the way till um, uh, uh, how many containers you need, how much air cargo, potentially air cargo, uh, air product, uh, how much car- product you need to serve uh, service via air versus ocean, um, and providing a visibility all the way at the SKU level, and then getting the product to your customers uh, efficiently, which which means getting the information to your customers and your internal team. So that's where the future looks like. We will eventually move beyond ocean and go and pr- focus on air as well, um, and then. Uh, try to solve the entire problem bit by bit uh, of, of, of international trade. Awesome. Well, I cannot wait to see what you do and where you go. So one of the biggest challenges forwarders and shippers face is having visibility into where their capital intensive customer keeping cargo really is. Terminal 49 has just shared with us the reasons why they are the company's to call to solve this challenge. For more information about Terminal 49, Akshay, and this episode, please visit letstalksupplychain.com forward slash episode 106 or visit their website at terminal49.com. Thank you to Akshay for making this episode possible and for coming on the show to share your story. 
Thank you, Sarah, for having me on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Looking forward to uh, seeing you at the next conference. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss out on any of our episodes. Next week, stay tuned as Michael Cadio, founder of Procurement Foundry, joins me and we talk about what is cooking in the PF community, what we are working on, and so much more. You're not going to want to miss this episode because Procurement Foundry is making so many waves. And if you're a supply chain professional, you're going to want to be part of that community. If you'd like to support the show, there's a few ways to do that. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to our newsletter at letstalksupplychain.com. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And also subscribe to us on YouTube, the SC Supply Chain TV. Visit ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z.com. And we are in full beta. So if you're a freight forwarder or a shipper that wants to streamline the pricing of your air freight and ocean freight shipments, gain more access to more choice worldwide and utilize the best of data to reduce shipping risks, then you won't want to miss out on our platform. So sign up at ships, S-H-I-P-Z.com. If you've got a supply chain management professional, logistics professional, procurement professional in your life, and you're looking for something to get them that is extra special, Go to shop at letstalksupplychain.com for some of our merch. We've also got a supply chain dictionary there, 107 pages full of acronyms and definitions that you can use in your supply chain career. Lastly, go and rate and review the show. Do you want to be featured on the show? Make sure to write a review under Apple Podcasts. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.